Yes, hello. I am James Rowlands, and today it's the WNR 313. It's a very spectacular Halloween special. And I have the pleasure to say today that I am joined by Select Match Type Pod. How are you doing, guys? You all right? Yeah, very well, thanks. How are you? All good, all good. So there's two of you, yes, if I make that yeah, right. Yeah, there is indeed. I am also here, although in a different <laughs> location, as obeying COVID rules, because we're all about the legalities. Without a shadow of a doubt, I'm always here by myself anyway. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourselves individually and what the podcast is about? Yeah, so uh, my name's Simon. I am an IT developer who's been a wrestling fan for as long as I can remember, which is depressing when you say it out loud. Um, I've known Chris for a, a long time. We went to uni together, but I'll, I'll let Chris introduce himself. Yeah, so I am Chris. As so I said we met at uni 2008. I would tell you what I, I do, but I'm not allowed to. I'm not a spy, but if the bosses find out that I do disclose what I do, they do not like it. So there you go. Yes, I understand. That, that's, that's the most intriguing entry you could have possibly asked for, right, James? <laughs> I, I honestly, I haven't <laughs> I would tell you something about myself, but I would have to obviously destroy the evidence of anything ever happening. Um, so like I said, you do uh, the Select Match Type podcast. What's that about then? Yeah, so we've, um, for just over a year now, we um, started making a podcast, uh, which basically, as, as the name suggests, we select ma- different match types. Uh, and then we look back at the best, the worst, the most memorable matches for each one. So we've had four series so far. So we had ladder matches, survivor series, elimination tag team matches, world rumble matches, and we've just finished Hell in a Cell. Um, our next series is going to be a bit of a short one because we've picked buried a well, Us and the Twitter uh, fan base out there have picked yeah. buried alive as our next match site. Uh, that's brilliant. So there's obviously check these guys out. Anybody listening to the now and it's, it's about coming up with kind of different ideas as well a lot of people will either just watch the week as was in wrestling and it's good that you've got an idea and saying to to keep going to if you know what i mean i think it makes all the sense in the world just avoid the modern products as much as possible would be my advice but that's uh, <laughs> that's because i've got a lot of nostalgia so <laughs> so what i mean before we get into it kind of when did you become a wrestling fan and what era is it for you guys i mean we'll start with um simon first yeah, so I my earliest memory of wrestling is watching the 95 Royal Rumble, uh, the Shawn Michaels skinning the cat, coming back in, eliminating the British Bulldog. I was heartbroken as a, as a young child seeing that. Uh, but the, the time when I was probably most into wrestling was um, 2000, 2001, and then probably through till I got to university. So from 2000 till about 2008, I, I watched every single pay-per-view um, it would often mean that when I went into school on a on a Monday morning that I'd be bleary eyed and, and knackered. But um, for me, it was it was very much worth it. So yeah, I'd say that's my sort of favourite time in in wrestling history. I think I've been speaking to a lot the of uh, sorry, but I've been speaking to a lot of Americans about this. So there's one thing you just said, and I think it's right. Is I don't think they appreciate the English wrestling fan because like you just said, staying up until four o'clock in the morning. And then either go to school or work the next day is a sacrifice that many of us make. 
America, they've got it easy, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to give away my, give away a slight difference in age from the inside here and say that my earliest wrestling memory was actually the Cactus Jack Sting feud in WCW back in the day. So we're talking 89, 90, that kind of time. First memory was of Cactus Jack with a loaded plaster cast attacking Sting. (laughs) I was like, yeah, this is great. So that it says a lot. It says a lot about my bringing up. My parents used to let me watch WCW Worldwide. It used to be on about half one, quarter two in the morning. Yeah. I used to, I was, I'd say about six or seven at that point. So like, yeah, watch it. Just yeah, just make sure you turn it off afterwards. Go to bed. So about four hours sleep. Get up and go to school. This is the thing that we we used to do. You know, I remember on the because I started watching every week in, week out in 1999. And I was getting up and look for like King of the Ring 99, you know, one o'clock in the morning, whatever, just staying up and just make sure I recorded it and didn't really think much of it. And then I was telling people, they go, why are you staying up so late? It's like, well, you know, spoilers weren't really a thing back then, but you needed to do it. Otherwise you felt you were missing out. Yeah. And that, that's why when they brought in SmackDown, it used to be on Sky One on a Saturday morning. Oh, that yeah. was perfect. The only thing was, if there was ever a chair shot or whatever, it cut away to the crowd because obviously it's uh, early morning, so they didn't want to show that sort of violence. You did worry about the studio. Yeah. You just watching watch the crowd for an hour. <laughs> yeah. You'd worry your sky's broken for a second because you're like, well, what's happening here then? And then it cuts back. Um, but anyway, today, like we said, it is the spectacular Halloween special. So on the show, we are looking at the top 10 Halloween Havoc matches in history. And first, a bit of history. As anybody doesn't know, as the name implies, is, of course, around Halloween time. And it was the annual pay-per-view for WCW from 1989, from when Chris started watching, up until about 2000. And, of course, NXT have revived the name. So we've got 12 Havocs to choose from. What we're going to do is take turns in match picks and then work out an order afterwards, I think, would be the best thing to do. Now, I will say I have gone for a top 10 matches, not necessarily the best matches. I'm, I'm glad that you said that because <laughs> a couple of my picks certainly don't fall into, the, into that. No, I've, I've gone exactly the same. It's a, it's a Halloween season. It's not all about the treats. It's yeah. about the tricks as well. Oh, yeah. Get well, ready that... for an egg, egging of your ears, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if anybody's got any problem listening to this, then this is what Halloween Havoc is all about. Like you said, there's, there's not many pay-per-views, especially with the, the way the pumpkin was with the WCW later on. Uh, I just, I love to set, I love to feel of a Halloween Havoc. And I think I've been crying out for something like this for the past few years. And I think it's great NXT are actually going to have the opportunity to do it, you know? Yeah, the the pumpkin set was definitely my um, the the favourite of the sets from the Halloween Havoc eras. Uh, I know there was a few others like the um, the graveyard with like the mausoleum of mm. um, WCW and NWO coming out as different entrance rampways. But yeah, the, I think the pumpkin is the archetype uh, Halloween Havoc set. So there are a lot of polystyrene companies that went out of business for <laughs> Halloween Havoc. <laughs> Without a doubt. So we begin. And which? Uh, who wants to start? Who wants to get shot first? Who wants the 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 first match? Go on. Oh, I'm going in. Well, I'm, going, go I'm going for a trick. Because why would why would you not? Okay. First pick. Halloween Havoc 1999. 
Anyone got that on the got that year on their list? I have not. I do have much of that. If they have, it may be the the fact that Vince Russo rocked up in WCW to absolutely shoot the thing down and start taking it apart piece by piece, <laughs> beginning with Hulk Hogan laying down the sting for the defense of Sting's WWE channel, oh, sorry, WWE, going back, <laughs> literally ownership, World Heavyweight Championship, sorry. Does anyone remember this, or has anyone watched this since? Right, does anybody remember Power Slam back in the day, the wrestling magazine? Power Slam 500, yeah. Yeah, I used to occasionally. I collected that kind of week in, week out, or month in, month out, what it was. And I remember the headline was a Goldberg in the front of it, and they were saying, maybe WSW are turning things round. And that was after the main event of what happened at the 99 Havoc. Now, obviously, when you look back into perspective and you think, yeah, they didn't turn things around. But at that point, I mean, I'm not the, the Hogan and uh, the Sting thing, but more the Goldberg coming out afterwards. But why is this such an important moment for WCW? This, it shows WCW out there worse with overbooking and the, back, the sheer scale of the backroom team one in the thriller power round. It's, we all know all the rumours are that with Vince Russo coming in, Hogan was set for a sabbatical after this match and Russo was to put, have Sting bury him in 30 seconds. And it was Hogan refusing to play ball and going, no, I would just lay down and that is it. It was a huge clash of egos and that's essentially what ended up burying them all together. They just couldn't get along. They just had no idea how to work together. I, I completely agree. I mean, it's one of those moments where you look at it and you think, this is why WSW went the kind of way it did as well with, like you said, the politics and just the, the way. I mean, what well, the second biggest event of the year and, and they're doing stuff like that, you know? Well, the confusion around it as well is, it's fine having Goldberg, Goldberg come out at the end when Sting opens the open challenge, but it's then a non-title match that they have no idea that it is a non-title match when they start. <laughs> And then correct themselves. Well, this this is then, the thing. I, I, I was going to mention uh, the Sting versus the mystery opponent match. And they play it up as he can leave with both titles. And even when Goldberg wins in the standard four-minute match, they play up that he has won the title. And it's only um, when he's talking to the ref, they sow any seeds of doubts that, um, that it's not a title match. Yeah, and that then leads into the tournament for a vacant title that is, should in no way be vacant in the first place. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then again, vacant was WC champion more than I think Hulk Hogan during those days. So, <laughs> you know. All right. So the, the other thing around this, it, it, sorry, I was just going to say, uh, the other thing around this, it definitely um, is indicative of WCW booking that they'd have a, a dusty finish and on the next, on uh, Nitro the next night, have, someone come out and say, well, actually, that didn't count. It, that happens so frequently um, at this point in time. Yeah, it, it's, it's horrible kind of how uh, WCW went. But um, if you so, I mean, if you give us your pick then for what you've got, and like I said, we're going to work out the yeah. top 10 at the end. So don't worry. Uh, so I'm going to go back slightly further. And this is a match that obviously I didn't see at the time because uh, I wasn't watching wrestling at this point, but I'm going to 1993 for an all-English affair as Lord Stephen Regal takes on the British Bulldog, the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith. Um, it was presented as a bit of a class war, so the, the upper class, uh, Stephen Regal with um, William as his manager, 
and they es essentially set it up as a, a power versus uh, technique um, clash of styles. But this one was 15 minutes. There was lots of catch of catch can stuff, uh, lots of holds and rolls that wouldn't look out of place these days. If it was Bret Hart, it would probably be considered one of the best matches ever, but that's a different story. Um, it ended um, as a lot of Stephen Regal's matches did in this title reign uh, as a 15 minute draw. The time expires as Bulldog goes for a pin after a pile driver and a running power slam. But um, yeah, this one, a lot of matches where it's a lot of wrist locks and things like that can feel like they have big rest holds and that sort of thing. But this one was just action throughout. I can't recommend it enough if, if you haven't seen this one. Right, out in the course of the WNR, we had the William Regal special early in the year where we actually watched this match as well. And not many people know that Bulldog and Regal actually had that match at that time. And it's like talk about the British style that we've become accustomed to now was definitely on show there. I didn't mind it, you know, as a Hill champion for a time limit makes sense because, the, you know, doesn't take anything away from the face end, does it? No, exactly. Um, and maybe they overused it slightly because Regal was champion for, I think it was around a year. Um, and he had lots and lots of 15 minute draws. Um, it wasn't like he was clinging, like, obviously... If it wasn't a time limit draw, he'd, he'd have lost the title. But he was fairly dominant throughout the match, as you'd expect, as the heel. But the other thing I just wanted to mention about this is how, how it reminds you how good um, Stephen or William Regal was as a heel. Just little things like every time he goes for a pin, he puts his elbow yeah. across the nose of Bulldog here. Just little touches like that. That It's a good job that he's involved with NXT because the things that he can add around the ring psychology and that sort of thing Immense. Well, the little flourishes, even the hand behind the back that he does, uh, and he's always kind yeah. of in that position of going. Um, yeah, that match is fantastic. But we we haven't gone for the same match yet, and we haven't as we go around because my pick is from 1989, and it's Lex Luger versus Brian Pillman, and it's the first Halloween Havoc that took place in '89 while WWE was under the NWA banner. The main event was actually the Thunderdome, which was because to the Hell in a Cell, Sting and Ric Flair teaming up to beat Terry Funk and Great Muta. But the match I think the WWE hit out of the park with was the United States Championship match. It, the clash pitted the determined underdog Pillman against the brash champion Luger. The two men put on a show in front of an electric Philadelphia crowd. Pillman's attempt to use his pace was cut off by Luger, whose strength and size advantage suited his heelish performance. Uh, Pillman's speed was used against him as Luger hit the stun gun for the free count. Um, I mean, Luger at this point seemingly had the world at his feet and Brian Pillman was just kind of young and spunky underdog, so to speak. And the, the style of these two, you wouldn't think of Brian Pillman at work, but going back and watching it, 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 it looks like Luger is actually quite a good worker. And, it, and that's why you know it's a good match. Well, yeah, as you say, Luger, Luger this time was an absolute poster boy for what you wanted your wrestling superstars to be. Yeah. He, he was huge. He had that cut physique. You could put him on merchandise that would sell. He made, as I say, because he had that cocky look and size to him, he made a perfect heel. And yeah, Brian Pullman going up against him as the far better technical wrestler, the plucky little underdog there, as you're saying, and nearly did it. It's always nice. That's, you want that believability. As much as it's nice, just have Pullman as a better wrestler come in and beat Luger. They have him go toe-to-toe and just miss out. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm alright with that. <laughs> good, good. Uh, <laughs> all right, Chris, what's your next choice? Then? It may, it may... Right, okay, so this may feature on some of the worst lists <laughs> for matches that you uh, you guys have. Uh, but the sheer bonkersness of it, I absolutely love. It's the 1991 yeah. Chamber of Horrors match. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Did we have it on our on our hate? Did we have it on our bad pile or our good pile? Just I, have... I'll tell you, say that it is one of the worst matches in Halloween history. Have history, but it is one of my favourite ones because you can't have a great match without this to show you it can go wrong. You know. Yeah, so just breaking down. So we had the Steiner Brothers, El Gigante and Sting against Vader, Abdullah the Butcher, Cactus Jack and a pre-raising Ramon Scott Hall as the Diamonds stood. They were in a cage, various weapons hanging from there. During the match, we had another cage lower down in the middle with an electric chair that one of the opponents had to be strapped into and the switch thrown to ensure the victory. And it's exactly as bonkers as it's, it sounds. And it just, you, say, you, say, you can say how it goes wrong and show how it doesn't work. But it's just blood everywhere. There are just chair shots. There are ken, kendo sticks smashed over people's heads. They're wondering why little bits of wood are suddenly in the ring because someone has actually just smashed the stick cleaning out. Everyone's bleeding. Everyone's falling around. And the endings looks absolutely ridiculous with fireworks going off. As the butcher gets electrocuted and then gets back up. But that's what you want. You want to finish a match with a good execution. You know, that's what I've always said all throughout yeah. my years. I always thought to myself, you know, uh, but even like Cactus Jack bringing a chainsaw with him and not using it was just like you're going, <laughs> okay, all these little things. The first person camera worn by the referee was just, was just oh, well, horrible. So yeah, let's, <laughs> yeah, let's not forget the referee. Referee. Yeah. <laughs> Referee, I mean, come on, it's brilliant, you know. I mean, it, 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 like you said, this for me, if a Halloween show, then it needs to have matches like this just to because it is just so ridiculous, you know. That's it. You want as you get the whole point of wrestling is, is to have fun, let's face it. We don't want, we don't, as much as we want to sit there and watch great wrestlers. You don't want eight matches of just technical wrestling. I was going to say it doesn't sound like Abdul- Abdullah had much fun, but he got back up, so <laughs> it's fine. He gets, he gets hit the jack in the mouth after he electrocutes him. It's fine. He gets his revenge. That's even Stevens now. Well, it seems like you said the thing comes down and Cactus has to, like, pull it up to pull it back down again. And you're just like, oh, bless him, you know. Bless him. Uh, all right, we'll move on. I don't on to think our... I've ever actually well. seen the. Whole... I was just going to say I don't think I've ever actually seen all of the match all the way through, but I've just seen little clips like Cactus Jack picking it up, then putting <laughs> yeah, it down. Yeah, just yeah, the little comedy bits of <laughs> like I'll a, a you've been framed episode of Halloween. I'll Halloween. tell you what. I'll, I'll tell you what sums it up best: the fact that when he throws the switch, it's in the wrong position, so or they've labelled the off on the wrong side, <laughs> so he has to switch it off for it to go on. <laughs> It's a, a safety feature point. of all yeah. electric tests. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the ring catches fire and everything. You're going, oh, this is just going to end terribly for everybody. But, you know. Oh, God. Right. Anyway, Simon, your next pick, please. 
Okay, I'm going to go more on the good scale rather than the questionable. <laughs> then. I'm going to go to 1997. Uh, Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio. Eddie Guerrero putting the title on the line versus Rey's mask. Um, again, th- like this one feels like it would fit in unbelievably well today. Um, for anyone that's not listened to our episodes on um, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie, uh, for the custody of Dominic, we talked about how good the springboard and the innovation and, and all of that was in that match. Um, as ridiculous it is for the custody of a child to be in a ladder match, but that's a separate <laughs> separate argument, I suppose. Uh, but this one was great. There were so many springboards. Um, Eddie looking like a beast. People talked about in the mid-2000s how he was getting pretty big, but he is a, a large cruiserweight at this point in time. Um, and Eddie dominates here. There's things like hits a pump handle slam into a backbreaker, um, hits a, a powerbomb that I was convinced was the end of the match because it looks like Ray, his head completely bounces off the mat. And yeah, this one just looked completely um, modern, even though it's, what, 20, 23 years old now. Um, there was a, a move that I'm honestly convinced that I've never seen before, and I'm not sure I understand the physics of it, which was Ray going for a flip out of the ring, catching Eddie and then hitting a head scissors. Like yeah. the, the flexibility to be able to do that in midair after jumping from the ring is ridiculous. Um, there was also Bobby the Brain on, on commentary, um, and he had a, a great line, which normally we, we like to point out Bobby the Brain's um, Great work on commentary. So Eddie slides into the post going for the Tree of Woe and Heenan points out that it's not the slide that hurts, it's the quick stop. <laughs> uh, Heenan at this time though was perfect. But I mean, when you think of a WCW match, yeah. in my eyes, this is the one. And, and I think the reason why it's so good over time is because there is not one misstep. There's not, everything is just perfect, cohesive. They're almost like a part of each other, the way they tell the story. And exactly. it's like lightning in a bottle. And, and they tried at WrestleMania 21 again. And don't get me wrong, it was a good match. And like you said, that feud afterwards. But it never lived up to that point. And even in WSW afterwards, you just, because like you said, it was lightning in the bottle. Mysterio, the way he dressed, the way he looked at that point in time. Eddie was, was you know, fantastic at that point. Anybody, anybody that thinks Eddie made it when he got to WWE needs to go back and, and see his WCW work as well. It is one of my, if not my favourite match from a Halloween Havoc, you know? Yeah. I, I Like you say, there's so much, because of the style and all the springboards and um, high-flying stuff, there's a hell of a lot that could go wrong at any point. And even at the end, so Eddie goes for a crucifix powerbomb off the, off the top rope, which gets reversed into a hurricanrana. There's so many moving parts in that move, so there's the potential for it to go horribly wrong. Um, you, you mentioned as well that what Ray's wearing, so I, I did want to mention the fact that he's wearing a purple Riddler um, costume, which Rollins brought back recently. Um as a bit of a troll, was the... Oh, uh, sorry, um, so I don't want to correct you. He's not. He's, he is honouring the previous year's superhero film, The Phantom, starring Billy Zane. Okay. I don't want to get involved in Happy anything here. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whatever it started. Um, no, but like you said, the, 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 the outfit in itself is, is still iconic let alone with the match and let alone that anything happens. And I think, like I said, if we didn't have this on the top 10 uh, list, then I think, you know, we just need to quit watching wrestling, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Eddie, as you say, I mean, Eddie's here work, ripping the mask off. Absolutely brilliant. We've pretty much torn it off when he's got him in the various uh, rest holds. The thing, that, the thing that really made me laugh during on the commentary was when they went, oh, so Ray's put his mask on the line eight of, eight times or something like that. This is the ninth one. He's won the previous eight. It's like, there's not a great, not a great deal of drama there. <laughs> He would go on to lose the mask not long after, well, a couple of years after this. Um, yeah. It's so weird watching Rey Mysterio matches where he's coming out with the horns and not wearing a mask. Well, you just wonder why that 14-year-old boy has got to the ring. You know, that's what I always thought. Was <laughs> <Yeah. the thing. laughs> I thought, well, where's his mum? Like, you know, he's obviously... Um, <laughs> apparently, he wanted him to drop the mask. Um, if Eric Bischoff is correct. Hey, I don't know. Uh, they wanted him to drop the mask in... And basically refused and is saying my heritage and what it meant to me but he still did it and like I said it ruined the character because of what Rey Mysterio was all about yeah it's not like Bischoff to inflate what happened or conflate or uh, with anything else exactly if you don't you know what he's saying what he's saying uh, anyway talk about cruiserweights let's go back uh, the previous year's event to 1996 and this was the first Halloween Havoc of the NWO era of course, you can forget an event with Hogan um, taking on Macho Man Randy Savage. But the cruiserweight title match between Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio, for me, is um, a, one of the top matches from, from Havoc. Uh, not just because, obviously, Eddie and Rey is the more remembered match, but I think Malenko is another guy who, uh, in WCW, as the Iceman during that time, was just so consistent and so good. And the fuse he had with Chris Jericho and Mysterio, uh, he was kind of so great. It doesn't really get mentioned about that. When he went to WWE, nothing really happened with him. Uh, but I feel like they missed a trick with Malenko. Yes, maybe he didn't have a personality, but that guy was a hell of a worker. And the match that these two had, you know, the, the near 20-minute match, was was just brilliant, you know? They could put him over far better now, having no personality, than they could back then. That's the issue. If you had it now, you'd sell an entire gimmick on the back that you just doesn't bother talking to anyone or is dull as fuck. So you'd sell, that'd be fine. You'd have t-shirts with du- his face and dull right across it and they'd be flying off the shelves. But I think the ice bank gimmick. Time they did yeah. try and give him the, the, the one time they did try and give him personality. Do you remember when he was trying to um, woo Lita into, to, oh. to a date and he just ended up dropping to her? Well, he had his socks on and everything. So, and they, they tried to make the James yeah. Bond-esque entrance for him. And I thought the Iceman gimmick was was perfect. You know, be, you know, take your time. Uh, you don't have to get flustered, whether it was. Plus, like, like talk about a guy who had, you know, over a fa- knew over a thousand wrestling moves. Uh, I think this guy kind of gets forgotten about, and it just shows you how important the cruiserweight division was. Yes, they had these great, you know, NWO angles, but it was these matches that were keeping people entertained in the undercard. Yeah. Uh, the other thing just about Dean Malenko, this is not really to do with his in-ring ability, but his dad wasn't, was called Boris Malenko, but that was only an in-ring thing. I really like the fact that he kept the, um, the heritage of Malenko going, even though it's a completely made up name. That's, just a, a nice little touch, I think. Yeah, well, you know, not everybody can be called Neville Neville, like Gary and Phil. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so. He's a good-looking lad like his... Uh, he's a good-looking guy like his son. All right, so now it's, I think, if I've not lost count, it's Chris's choice now. 
Yeah, it's, it's me again. So, Hi, still here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we're, going, we're going back to the well with our, our tricks this time. And who remembers the, what is clearly the worst Halloween ever, 2000? Anyone remember what the main event was for Halloween Havoc 2000? Oh, God. The title match was Steiner, Booker T. No, my main event was also... Uh, I was about to say, yeah. You would... <laughs> Gobert Cro Chronic, was Exactly, yeah. I was about to say, you would, you would believe that Booker T versus Scott Steiner for the championship would be your main event match. But no, we will have a seemingly concussed Goldberg cleared after only cleared the wrestle after chronic had been come to the ring and declared themselves the winner come out and stumble through a four minute two-on-one handicap match but the thing is at this time as well chronic were actually quite over as a tag team in wsw one of the few things that were actually working and then they just put them in that match with goldberg and completely destroyed their legitimacy but that is just, we talked about earlier wsw in 1999 being bad like I said, 2,000 takes a biscuit, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. The weird thing was, though, they actually had some decent guys down, further down the card. So one match that I was going to mention was the trip, uh, just as a, an out-of-the-box one, just a really good uh, sort of show opener, which was the same night. You had the Boogie Knights, Jindrak and Ho'Hare against the Filthy Animals for the tag titles. And that match was basically highlighting everything that was good about, about ECW, uh, sorry, about WCW. So the, the style there was amazing. It was so quick paced, but then they were buried at the bottom of the card for guys like Chronic, who were just jacked up guys that couldn't wrestle essentially. Yeah. Can't wait to see the rest of Chris's list. He's got, uh, he's got uh, yeah. Halloween Havoc 99 and 2000 and Chamber of Horrors. So that will be very interesting. There's, 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 there's equal great stuff and absolute dross to come from my list, to be honest. All right, Simon, you're up next then. My next match certainly does not fall in the good pile. Um, it's widely considered to be one of the worst matches of all time. Um, and it's from 1998. And how can we possibly talk about Halloween Havoc without the match of the decade as it was, as it was billed? Hogan versus Warrior 2. Um, the rematch of the WrestleMania 6 title versus title showdown. The legendary showdown. Uh, so Hogan, obviously, at this point in the NWO, Ultimate Warrior had the same gimmick as he had all those years earlier. The same energy, the same face paint, the same um, ability to get gas himself out from running on the way to the ring. Um, and this one is an absolute shit show from start to finish. Within the first five minutes, there's a rest hold because both of them are, are knackered. Um, there's Hogan bringing out the NWO after the, one of the worst ref shots you've ever seen. Um, Giant then somehow missing Stingy, uh, sorry, somehow missing Warrior, even though he is still stood where he was without actually moving. There's Hogan attempting to blind Warrior by throwing fire into his face which he manages to botch and burn his own tash and, and eyebrows. But yeah, it was just awful from start to finish. And then as the sort of improvised finish because of the, the botch job with the, um, the fire being thrown into his eyes, Horace Hogan, who I'd forgotten existed before I was revisiting this, to be honest, uh, comes in and hits the worst chair shot on Warrior that you've ever seen. It was slow. It was dull. 
I'm not necessarily convinced it was because of a lack of effort, particularly from Warrior. It was just that it was two tired old men that had way too much power uh, to, to book themselves, which I guess in a nutshell was the problem with WCW towards the end. Yeah, but at least Hogan got his win back. So, I mean... <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> We completely, we completely missed the fact that they tried to set the Orbit Warrior, Warrior on fire after the match finished. They did, yeah. <laughs> they come in, put put lighter fluid all over him, and nothing happens. He just sniffs himself. <laughs> but I think that the, the yeah. build-up to the match is equally couldn't, as couldn't bad. To a nice guy. <laughs> but the build-up with him, like Hogan, can see him in the mirror, and then the trapdoor which injures British Bulldog, where Warriors majestically coming through. It's just, it built up to a point and you're going, not going to be a good match. And in fairness, they delivered that. So I think all credit in that way. <laughs> they met expectations. So, yeah. I mean, anyone, anyone who listens to us knows that we love Dave Meltzer's scores as well. He gave this a minus five stars. Wow. Well, like Pretty you said, <laughs> it wasn't, they, they didn't manage to kind of do anything uh, they had previous attempts and like I said with Horace getting involved just everything wrong did go wrong and then of course with people watching the pay-per-view at home uh, it cutting out before it got to its main event of uh, Goldberg and DDP as well so you've got that match and... which was actually a really good <laughs> Halloween Havoc match but no one remembers it because of this shit show yeah. <laughs> but, um, there was there is the argument that if the show hadn't have um, been cut off then this match wouldn't be as infamous as it is because the main event would have sort of glossed over it slightly. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if that's quite the case, but it certainly doesn't help, does it? <laughs> no, without a doubt, you know. And I think if you look at that and you think that is a, a terrible match, like I said, possibly the worst in Halloween Havoc history. But Hulk Hogan or Hollywood Hogan has had a few terrible matches as well. And my pick up next is Halloween Havoc 1995, and it is Hulk Hogan versus the Giant in our I mean, this was everything that was... To be fair, I love WCW 1995 now, because if you don't take it seriously, you can have such a laugh with how they're building the characters and what they do. And this match in itself, with a Dungeon of Doom trying to beat uh, Hogan, even though the fans were already turning against Hogan, not only do we have the heavyweight title match, but we might not have got to that point because we had the sumo truck match earlier in the night when they were battling the sumo trucks and fell from the building, I mean, repeatedly about 200 feet and managed to dust himself off for the main event whilst changing as well. He changed before he actually got to the match, so it wasn't too bad. And then we just had this terrible match with the Giant in his first match using the choke slam, Hogan uh, ruining that and getting out of it. And then it's just, you've got these awful submissions with the giant and then he puts him in the um, bear hug. And, and then we have probably one of the greatest calls in professional wrestling because we've got the Yeti uh, coming through and uh, he comes out. And he then, must be seven foot eight. He, uh, and then what looked like, <laughs> I, 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 look, I don't want to offend anybody for what these two guys were doing, you know, to Hogan. They looked like they were enjoying it. There's no doubt about it. Um, but there's a time and place for it, you know? And they basically squashed him. Commentators going crazy. Um, and then in all this, Jimmy Hart has turned on Hogan as well. And I think we forget about that. 
just because of everything that is going on. Uh, it was a terrible, terrible match. But again, it is one of the top matches when you look at where it was from 1995 to 1996 for the NWO, how Hogan kind of reinvented, not reinvented, but saved himself. Because at this point in time, it was going down with Hulkamania. And then that hill turn with the NWO, whole freshness to it. Uh, and I think that's why it deserves to be looked at as this, if the NWO didn't come around, this is what WCW would have been. Yeah, I, um, com- I like the way that the commentary team in the match also play up the fact that they've never seen Hogan in black. Um, so just little things like that. Like, I, don't, I don't know if I'm giving too much credit to the creative team in WCW, but it seems like they were sowing seeds sort of constantly through it. Um, you mentioned the sumo monster truck match. Who thought that was a good idea? Who wanted to see that? <laughs> I'm a wrestling fan, therefore I'm going to like monster trucks. Uh, yeah, they did it all the time. Do you not remember Dustin Rose wrestling the uh, the trucker dude in the back of a like, in the cage on the back of the truck, <laughs> going up and down an airport runway? No, I mean WWE they're trying things out, aren't they? And I think that's what um, other companies aren't doing where they try different gimmicks or different type matches. They might uh, not be the best, but at least they're trying something. And it's not just the same as we've seen in WWE or F as it was all the time. Yeah, and at least they don't have um, Hell in a Cell style pay-per-views where we'll just make random matches. But um, because of the time of year, we'll make it a, a death feud, essentially. Yeah, all right. So we'll... Um... We'll move on then, and Chris, it is your fourth choice. Superb, right. So what you were just saying about WCW trying stuff actually feeds nicely in to my pick for my fourth one. We're going back to 1993 and the Vader-Cactus-Jack-Texas death match. So essentially what we've got here is a last man standing match between the two, non-title match, because you don't need titles when you're just after. When you're just feuding and Cactus Jack just wants to hurt someone, what's the point of doing something stupid like putting the title in the way? So we have some of the stiffest punches, chair shots. We've got a lot of great outside the ring work on the runway that WCW always loved to use from the uh, down the aisle, into the crowd, through the barriers, plenty of both bleeding, it's everything you want from a last man standing match, apart from their bizarre r- rules, which gives them a 30 second rest break before we actually start the last man sta- the uh, standing 10 count. That was my only problem with the match. It was slightly overly complicated, but I, it's simple enough rules. But most of the time, when there was a, a pin, by the time that it got up to 30, they were already up. So it just didn't seem to add much to the match other than prolong it slightly. I quite like it when they go, you know, give yourself 30 seconds, guys. You know, just just take your time. Just have a little bit of recovery. Be able to jump back into it. Um, what I liked about the match, though, was the fact of with Last Man Stand, you might see a lot of stunts. But like I said, the Vader was just hitting Cactus with just everything he had. And I think Vader strikes look brutal anyway. But you know Cactus was saying, lay it in me, I want it to look as, as good as possible. Which is just crazy when you think about it. Yeah, especially because the whole feud started where 
Vader bomb powered bombs Katsu Jack onto the concrete where Holly Race pulled the mat up and he got a, a shoot concussion and that was so Vader working stiff is essentially how the feud started but they were more than happy to carry it on that way well let's not forget they they moved uh, when he Cactus did get the injury and they did these lost in Cleveland um, vignettes of, of him kind yeah, of the vignettes yeah oh. Guys, and you're just going no just put the two guys in the ring and i think even in mick foley's book um he, he talks about that feud and how the commentators didn't play up what it could have been in a in a certain way and uh, i think these two just have tremendous chemistry as well i think it's a it's a, it's a fantastic match well vader criminally underrated let's face it when you got 400 pound guy hitting a moonsault off the top rope then he was, if it hadn't been for Shawn Michaels, maybe we'd have uh, had a much bigger WWE made a push. I'm going to disagree, Chris. I don't really like Vader. Although it's incredible that he can do a moonsault, I think he's, I think he's overrated because he doesn't do anything other than kicks, punches and a Vader bomb. But the thing is about this, I don't want to get, again, I don't want to get involved in whatever you two guys got on, but... Um, Lover's tip. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I was going to say, I won't, you know. The, the thing is with Vader, <laughs> for me, is like, yeah, a guy, 400-pound moonsault, but it's like a Brock Lesnar character. Why does Brock Lesnar work in certain ways? It's because he's tough, he's been there, he's done that, you, he's legitimate. And I think with Vader... That kind of legitimacy, especially during this time, and like you said, after his move to WF, there he was just a bad motherfucker. You know, there was, there was nothing about it. It wasn't the fact of he just came out. He was like, "You're gonna get hurt, and he's gonna end your career." He did it. He broke, you know, uh, a guy's back with doing a power bomb. What he did to Cactus, and it was just his reputation of like, "Oh, he's legitimate." And I think that's what I liked about the Vader character as much as the kind of. The you know Bam Bam Bigelow, as you say, as a big guy doing these impressive moves. It was WF Mr. Trick. Like I said, if he'd have come in with Shawn Michaels and just battered him, you'd have gone, this is a bad dude. Uh, rather so what you're than... really saying is... Sorry, go on. No, no, no. What I'm really saying is that Shawn Michaels is to blame. That's what, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, well, I was going to say, what you're really saying is there needed to be a, a Vader New Jack feud to see who the legitimate toughest man oh, in my wrestling was. Oh, my God. That would have been, yeah, wow. Throw Haku into the mix as well, just to really turn up the death count. I always remember this Jake the Snake uh, comment that he made, and he said that if he was if he was fifty feet away from Haku in a tank uh, with a gun, he'd shoot himself in the head. And I always thought that's <laughs> <laughs> that's how tough Haku is, you know? Yeah. The story about the the eye popping out is the yeah. one that always springs to mind. <laughs> it's brilliant. All right, Simon, give us your next pick then. Next one, again, it's a bit of a, um, not a, a particularly well-known match because it's one of the early ones on the card, but it's 1998. I've gone for Raven versus Chris Jericho. Uh, so Raven had come across to WCW from ECW, set up the flock, which had been disbanded. Um, they were all prospering, but Raven had found himself on a bit of a losing streak. Uh, he comes out and plays up the fact that he wasn't even supposed to be here, so he's, he's leaving. And then Jericho basically responds uh, by baiting him into it uh, by calling him a loser, which is strong words. I don't know how you would ever walk away from that. Um, I did notice something really weird. So Jericho obviously wasn't far off moving from WWF uh, to WWF, sorry, here. Um, and what was really odd was that 
these both guys kept their ring music when they moved across to WWF, which was not something you see particularly often. No, um, I, I think with the, the music, it was... Or maybe it's been played over the top, I think. It's because I Yeah, I originally thought that, and then it wasn't because obviously the Y2J Bretley Walls Down was the character once yeah. he went. I think they just do that generically with that. I think they've changed a couple. Because I didn't know Hogan came out um, to the, the you know, Voodoo Child until he made his first appearance in WWE like 2003 or 2002 when they paid the right, rights. Okay. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't, I just thought it was the NWO theme. So they do play tricks on you like that. Yeah, well they do a much better job here than they've done in other examples. So when um, you've rewatched like WrestleMania 17 and The Undertaker's supposed to come out to roll in, but it, they completely like botch the crowd noise that should be there and the noise from the motorbike. So they actually do a decent job of, of mixing that together. So good job, WWE. Um, not something you hear every, every day. Uh, but this one's really good. It's, again, um, quite a modern style with two guys that were probably at the, well, Jericho was about to become sort of a, the megastar um, in WCW before he moved across WWF. Um, Raven, I always thought, felt was a huge star in ECW. The, sort, um, the, the stuff that he did around uh, the Sandman and the Sandman's son, um, he obviously got the, the ring psychology and things, but I always felt that he was criminally wasted in, in WWE. But this one is, is really good. There's... Um, some big power moves. So Raven hits a pop-up power bomb, sends him into sends Jericho into the experience turn buckle, and then hits the sort of hanging clothesline that he was famous for. There's loads of suplexes, loads of reverses. Um, again, another Bobby the Brain um, commentary line. So Jericho goes for the Lion Tamer, what would go on to become the was Jericho, and Raven's clawing his way towards the rope, and Bobby says that's the longest six inches in. Sorry, I'll go over that again. That's the longest six inches of his life, which. Little things like that, just dropping in dad jokes on commentary there. And then to, then to end it, so Raven goes for the, the Raven effect DDT, gets reversed into the Lion Tamer, and Raven taps immediately, which they're playing up is because he's on this losing streak and he's low on confidence and doesn't really have it anymore. Uh, but yeah, I, if you've not seen this one, it's uh, a really good opener to, to Naughty Naughty Yay. Without a doubt. And, you, you know, two young guys there wanting to make an impact. And we go to Halloween Havoc uh, 1994. And the main event, of course, these two young guys, Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan. You know what these are like. Uh, usually when a match with these two guys, I'm panicking. But Ric Flair, for some reason, especially in the main event of Halloween Havoc, uh, was, was on form. And when Flair was good, I mean, yeah, it might, again, I'm not saying Ric Flair is overrated because that would be a pipe bomb of all pipe bombs but I feel especially a star where he's bumping around from making him look good he made Hogan look like a million dollars and I think when you uh, chuck in the fact that it was a steel cage match the loser had to retire or you know go on a leave of absence so to speak uh, you had all these celebrities that were there as well um, and Mr. T you know it was just it kind of worked out where uh, Flair was at his best. Hogan, who had just joined in July, was still getting good reactions. And then it was kind of after this where it went downhill. But I think this was WWE's probably most profitable pay-per-view until the NWO came around as well. And I think when you look back on it now, incredibly, the match still holds up. And for a Hogan-Flair match, 
uh, during this time, I think that's why it's one of the better matches. Yeah, you mentioned, uh, just to say that the biggest pipe bomb of all time, saying Ric Flair was overrated. I once said on our, uh, our, paper, sorry, our podcast that Bret Hart was overrated, so it could be worse. Don't you wash your mouth out, sir. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing with, with Flair and Bret, it was... Again, actually, I don't want to start saying because then we're going to just get hate mail all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There is certain wrestlers that you just feel it's not one note is not the right word, but I, I know I, I, I can feel your pain there. I can feel your pain. Um, all right, Chris, what is your matches each? And then we'll work out what the top 10 is. I think that's the best one. What's your last match then? Right, okay. So I've, I've actually pulled 10 matches all together because. You know what? That's I just do a top ten. I hear top ten, and I do a top ten. So I'm torn whether to go for a true a great match or a truly awful one. Well, how a, how do we feel? Are we having the bad bad matches yet? Well, give us both, and then we'll make the decision. Okay, right. So good the match between Savage and DDP, mm-hmm. or we have. Sting versus Jeff Jarrett. Well, I don't know about you, but I want Sting versus J E double F J A double R E double T. That's 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 what I want. Right, that, then I, I completely do not blame you because this was an an odd one to say the least. So two thousand, this one is from again the worst Halloween Havoc pay per view of them all, and the way this feud even comes about is not I say not great this is based on Jeff Jarrett claimed that Sting doesn't have the heart anymore to compete and that is it that is what our feud is based on (laughs) so we have Jarrett Jarrett and Sting come out and then essentially we have Jarrett standing in the ring or lounging around ringside while various people dressed up as Sting's from the past, come to the ring, get death dropped, and then we carry on with the match with Jarrett. So we have the 89 debut classic Sting, we have the 90 championship winning Sting, Wolfpack Sting, we have the Crow, not only from rings from the aisle, also from the rafters, and then we have one that comes up from underneath the ring, as well, so we have a lot of things going on. Not, and at no point did they go right. Let's see if we can get people who look kind of like Sting, and we'll just do the hair and the makeup right. They have people with the wrong haircut. They have badly fitted wigs, and the whole match finishes with Double J smashing Sting over the head with a guitar for the win. And that is, and oh dear God, just no, no, no. That's a bad match. Bad match. Go away. You know what you've done. You know what you've done. <laughs> that is quite an incredible list of five matches. What else, Chris, was on your list of matches that we didn't get to? Uh, I think we covered a few of them. So we had, I had Pillman, Luger. I had the Mysterio, Guerrero match there as well. Just scrolling through my list. Hollywood Hogan Warrior. Yeah, we've had that one. Obviously, just Sting and then Goldberg, done that. Oh, Buck Bagwell, David Flair, first Blood DNA match. <laughs> a, pro- a, 
a prime example of WCW overbooking. Hey, Stacey Keebler is, rejects David Flair at the altar. She's pregnant with someone else's kid. Is it Buff Bagwell? Are we going to go through the courts? No, they're going to wrestle to give a DNA sample via first blood. <laughs> Again, but you've got to admit, that is, no one ever done that, did they? You know? <laughs> the, 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 the problem with this one as well is, we don't even, we don't even have David Flair win. We have Buff Bagwell win, and then Luger come down to celebrate it with him, and then just punch him in the face and bust his mouth open. <laughs> so Flair gets the sample that way. It is just, it's crazy when you consider how bad they were during this time. It's just, it's just saying chaos. It is, it's just, I keep saying ridiculous, but it is just crazy when you think the shit that they've had at Halloween <laughs> this past <laughs> 10 years. Um, all right, so so you, you thought you were going to look, you thought you were going to look at some good matches here. <laughs> we, I'm, I'm looking at my list. Okay. <laughs> I'm looking at my list and thinking, do you know what? I, I thought I had a couple of bad ones on, but not, it's not, not that bad actually. No. Not compared with Chris's list anyway. No, I, I, I bow down to Chris's <laughs> shit list. I mean, that is, that is, yeah, that's pulling out of the. <laughs> we can, we can, we completely, a... we completely subscribe to the fact that wrestling is great when it's either brilliant or truly awful. Yeah, you this, Chris, you're a man that gave the four doinks uh, Survivor Series team three stars last year. So I love, I love, I love that match. I'm not taking that back. That's a fantastic match. I mean, you But this is the thing that like I said uh, with, with wrestling. You either want the kind of serious, hard hitting matches and the kind of storytelling, or you want to have. And even if the commentators are like Bobby Heenan does, he's winking at you whilst you, you're going along with this. And I think that's what's missing from today's product especially on Raw when there's like a poisoning angle and they're being deadly serious rather than saying, well, maybe people can have a little bit of a laugh with this. And I think when you look at these matches, they took them deadly seriously, but ended up hilarious, you know? And I think that's what helps them out. Yeah, completely agree. Okay, but, my next match then, uh, 1991. Two guys you, you've probably heard of before. So TV title, we've got Stunning Steve versus The Natural Dustin Rhodes. Uh, it's basically the Attitude Era. <laughs> what's, not, what's not to like? Um, so both guys were quite quite young, a lot younger than they would uh, obviously go on to be. That's how time generally works. Uh, but <laughs> but um, these guys have an, an all-out brawl. We talked already about how 15-minute um, time limits uh, were used quite a lot in WCW, and this is a, a good example of where it fits in. Um, fits in well uh, again there is the argument that it's uh, overused uh, through the time in WCW but I thought this one was a, as a good example so we get blood from Austin as um, as Dustin Rhodes opens him up uh, the bionic elbow triggering a string of offense from Dustin and a big flying clothesline and then he goes for the cover, cover but just as he's about to win the timer expires uh, just as the ref was about to count for three um, these guys would obviously go on on to, to bigger things um, as they moved across. And I guess this is one of the, the main sort of things that people argue about AEW, that they just steal uh, WWF stars. But look at what can happen if you do take another company star and actually make a big deal of him because um, obviously WWF capitalised on taking Steve Austin from WCW. Yeah, but they also signed Vader and Mark Mero in the early 1996. So, I mean, you've got to get, like I said, give and take with who actually goes on to become these megastars and who kind of 
drops off as well. It's really interesting looking back and thinking, oh, maybe they could have done a little bit more of him or a little bit with that. And like I said, at this time, I don't think anybody would have known these are the two guys that are going to have the kind of career that they did, uh, which, you know, is really, really interesting. Because like I said, a lot of people would just, uh, with WWE stuff, and if it happened in WWE, if they tell you about it, that's fine. But then they won't realise, like we talked about with Regal and Bulldog having a match, or even with those uh, in Austin before they became these big gimmicks. It's definitely something worthwhile to go back and check out and watch because you'll learn more about them as well. Yeah, and the, the style that Austin wrestles, um, you can see obviously the, the similarities between what he'd go on to, but post-injury Austin is a very different wrestler to the one before he broke his neck. Yeah. I would completely agree. And a lot of people, we were talking about Brett and Ric Flair earlier, people go, I underrate. Well, uh, overrating, they go, well, no. Yeah, he's ruling style, but that was due to the fact that he broke his neck and continued afterwards. And if you look at, like you said, the stunning Steve Austin and it, it, the way he was technical in the ring, there's no doubt he was a fantastic worker. You just need to watch it, you know? But maybe it was all the hair. Like, it's uh, almost Homer-like when he takes snake hair and becomes a completely different character. Uh, was there anything else on your list that we... No, um, I've, I've mentioned a couple of others from um, from other ha- Halloween Havoc. So there was the triple threat match at 2000 for the tag titles. Um, I was actually going to mention, I know you, you said about um, the Giant versus Hogan, but I was just going to focus on the uh, Monster Truck Sumo match because that was confusing enough for me to realised that there was another one. And then also the uh, 99 Sting versus the mystery opponent where Goldberg um, squashes him in four and a bit minutes. But now I think we've we've covered a, a decent a decent amount of matches from there. Yeah, I think we're down. I mean, I've got uh, Austin and Steve Williams versus Rhodes and Wyndham uh, from Havoc. Also DDP and Goldberg. But I think my last choice will be the Steiners versus the Nasties because the term slobber knocker was coined for watching this match. Four guys, not ashamed to lay it out and go out for 15 minutes as they throw bombs. Uh, this, it was such a fun bout. It was a cohesive structure. It led to a breakneck frantic finish that makes you hope that one person won't be seriously injured. This match is a bit like a rickety roller coaster at this fair. It may not be the safest thing in the world, but it provides one hell of a ride. So that will be my last pick. It's crazy to think, to look at Scott Steiner back then compared to what he'd be in like 2000, the genetic, genetic freak with his uh, problems with maths and all the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> I 237% agree with you. I really do. I think, you know, when, when you look at the Steiners and what they were, fantastic team and the Nasty Boys. I mean, I've, I've hated the Nasty Boys for a very long time, but I have to give the devil his due. Uh, with with that match there. All right, so in front of me, I have got 15 matches. <laughs> They're quite different, not going to lie. Variety is the best spice of life. Not going to lie. Chris's list is um, Hogan and Sting, The Chamber of Horrors, Goldberg versus Chronic, Vader versus Jack, and Jarrett versus Sting. If that was a pay-per-view, you'd probably avoid it. I'm not going to lie at this moment in time. Then uh, Simon's picks were Bulldog Regal, Eddie Ray, Warrior Hogan, Raven Jericho, Rose, and Austin. Some really good choices there. I assume Hogan would book himself as the main event. So let's <laughs> yes, just put that. Yes. Up, Sorry, so. I should, yeah, yeah. And then we've got on my list Pillman versus Luger, 
Malenko versus Mysterio, Giant versus Hogan, Hogan versus Flair, and the Steiners versus Nasties. So there's the 15. So, I mean, we talk about top matches of all time. Yes, we've had a, a laugh and a joke. But what is the greatest Halloween Havoc match of all time? I'm going to put forward Ray versus Eddie from 97. I'm going to agree with you because I had that as number one on my list also. I will also agree with everything. We're all getting along. Uh, that is going to be number one on our list. Uh, like I said, the other 10 are going to be quite difficult to work out. Um, when we think about it... Can we work out which ones to get rid of? I think that's an excellent idea. <laughs> are you getting rid of my five? Are you getting rid of my five? <laughs> right, let's get rid of Chris's choices. <laughs> All right, so do we want Hogan and Stings left in there? No, I want Vader Cactus Jack deserves to be in there. I think Vader Cactus Jack is, is up there as well. I, I think that would be my top three. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, happy to. So that it was a, a bloody brutal battle. Fade of the cactus can go there. Uh, what else we've got? Um, Steiners versus Nasties. I don't think we would make the list. I'll get rid of one of my own there. I think that's fair enough to say. Uh, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Hogan versus Warrior 2 wasn't one of the 10 greatest matches. Yeah, but it's one of those matches that it, it shows it should be a lesson. You know, if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. WWE needs to watch these events. And what it looks like when they bring out these old tired acts who have been going for years and years and years and they put on terrible matches and it turns the fans away and you lose the audience. How they have not looked at this and gone, oh, that's what we're doing. Uh, it, it's just crazy. But I'll, I'll take that. That can be crossed off the list because maybe it wasn't the, the greatest one. Um, I mean, it's not, Bailey Jack makes the list. I don't think... <laughs> the Chamber of Horrors, would they get on the list? As as an, as an exhibition in just how bonkers this pay-per-view can go, I feel it deserves it. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think Chamber of Horrors can go in there. We won't work out... Um, it certainly yeah. springs to mind when you think of Halloween Havoc, doesn't it? I think without a doubt, you know. Uh, and I'm gonna, what, what one should I stick in there? I'm, I'm thinking either Hogan with Flair... Or Giant versus Hogan. I'll definitely want a Hogan match in there, but I'm not sure. I think I've got to put the actual good uh, match, you know. Out of those two, I'd go for Flair rather than the Giant. Yeah. I'll get rid of... Um... Yeah. Controversial, Ric Flair being a better wrestler than the Big Show, but... Well, you say that. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, Andre the Giant's son at that point in time, of course, as well. <laughs> I know. Why do people think that? Oh, I mean, you know, like when you've got stuff like that, why didn't it work? All right. What other matches should we get rid of then? We've got rid of Giant Hogan. Um, again, I don't want to pick on Chris, but we've got... <laughs> um... No, he's fine. I, <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of matches I picked just for how awful they were. I think there's a couple I've crossed off. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, Goldberg v. Chronic and I think Jack v. Sting don't make the list. So I've got to make sure we've actually got 10, to be fair, because otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're just going to go with Eddie versus Ray and Cactus versus <laughs> They're our favourite matches anyway. Yeah. Um, what about Pilman Pil Luger deserves there. there you go, that's what I say. Yeah, Pilman I Luger. I would agree with that. That should definitely be on there. Um, we've got 
Flair Hogan, we've got the Chamber of Horrors, that's made it through. Raven versus Jericho, do you think that makes the list? How many more do we need to get rid of? I have no idea at this moment. (laughs) 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 I'm just crossing them out as I go. Um, Out of of that and um, Stephen Regal versus David Boy, that one definitely, uh, the Regal versus Bulldog one definitely deserves to be if we're picking out of those two. So let's make sure that one's in first. Hang on a minute. Right, so let me just work this out. Right, so we've got rid of um, we've got rid of three on Chris's list. So we need to get rid of another two. Warrior Hogan. Wait, so we've got rid of Corey Wogan. Wogan. Uh, Terry Wogan's again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Terry Wogan, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> that's the worst Terry Wogan impersonation I've ever done. But not that I had a good one. Uh, we've yeah. got... Right, we'll keep that one in there. We'll get rid of Giant Hogan. And then I'm left with four. You're left with four. And then we've Chris got two. Chris two, which cha- yeah, all right, we've got it. There you go. That's how maths work. That's brilliant. So now we've got work it out into a ten, and we've got Eddie Ray, Vader, Cactus, Pillman versus Luger. Um, I think ten Chamber of Horrors because that can go. Let's work this out. What should be? What should be the fourth match after Pillman Luger? We've got Raven Jericho, Rose Austin. Malenko Mysterio. We got Nasty Boys. Oh no, we didn't have Nasty Boys Steiner, did we? That didn't make didn't make the cut. No, not a great deal. Not a great look for the tag wrestling here. In this no, game. it's not, is it? Yeah. So we've uh, watched WWE programming for the last twenty years, so that's what we think about tag team <laughs> wrestling. That's a problem. Do you know what I'm going to do? Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to do it. No, we got to do a ten. I can't give up now. I've started already. Come on. It sort of defeats the object of a top ten if we don't do a top ten, doesn't yeah. it? I, I literally just thought that as I said it. I thought, no, we'll leave it as that. But yeah, all right, let's let's get right. So we've got Chamber of Horrors uh, ten, and then we've got I need uh, Raven Jericho, Rhodes Austin, um, Malenko Mysterio, so Bulldog Regal. Let's Bulldog go Regal. Raven Jericho nine. This is exciting. Everybody, listen at home. Bated breath. We don't know where we're going to go. <laughs> this, this is, this is you've, podcasting. <laughs> you've edited out the four hours of deliberation we've had. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, right, so we've got Bulldog Regal. Have I put Bulldog Regal in there? No. Right, where's no, Bulldog Regal? Been, yeah. Where should we put that? Should it go up top, near the bottom, or in the middle? I'm pushing it up top. I think it was exactly what I was looking for from that match. It did not disappoint me in any way. Was it better than Mysterio versus Malenko? Probably not. Right, okay. That works that one out then. <clears throat> so we've got... So we've got two more places. We've got number six and number seven. I can't read my own writing now, which is going to go well. Um, our last two matches are... Two places, eight matches. We've got Rhodes and Austin. I have no idea. Hang on. Uh, we've got Rhodes and Austin. And we've got... Oh, we'll put the Steiners and the Nasties in. Go on. Bit of tag team wrestling. Do it. So, Steiners, Nasty. And then the last match. Rhodes. Austin. Yeah. See how easy we worked as a well-all team there to get all that done. Right. So, top ten. So you said we're going to do it. We're going to do top 10 
of Halloween Havoc match. Seamless. <laughs> it is. It is just boom, boom, boom. You can tell I've been doing this for five years, can't you guys? You really can. Uh, we've got we got a number ten, our top ten. Number ten, we've got the Chamber of Horrors. At number nine, Raven versus Chris Jericho. Number eight, Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan, still cage match. Number seven, the Steiners versus the Nasty Boys. Number six, Rhodes versus Number five, Bulldog versus Regal. Number four, Mysterio versus Malenko. Number three, Pillman versus Luger. Number two, Vader versus Jack. And at number one, the greatest Halloween Havoc, the top Halloween Havoc match of all time is Eddie versus Ray Mysterio. What do you guys think? Very happy with that list. Yeah. I would be, I would be happy to spend the thirty five ninety five whatever it costs for the American pay per view. I think without doubt, I think we worked well to get that done, and um, like I said, we worked it out, and we've got our top ten. So this is the official list. If anybody wants to know the official top ten list of how we have it, we have just done it now on the podcast, and uh, we talk about how we have it. Yeah, it's history in the making. History, I can feel it. It's like the 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 whatever. It's like <laughs> shake across the world. <laughs> it is. Um, but like we say, don't forget uh, Halloween Havoc um, has some had some great matches, and Halloween Havoc NXT's Halloween Havoc comes at the end of the month. That should be very interesting. Uh, so that is it for today's episode. Then don't forget we're across all social media. We're at the WNR Podcast. And uh, I'll just let you plug your Twitter for a second. At Select Match Pod. Yeah, honestly, check them out. They're, they really are worth it, without a doubt. We normally get in arguments with wrestling fans about all sorts of stuff. So come, come and have a go. <laughs> yeah. Like, they think Bret Hart is overrated. <laughs> so go and have a word. No, no. I'm, I'm going to uh, distance Chris from this, uh, from that comment. That was all me, but yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but then again, everyone's just heard my list for top. <laughs> I don't even have this stuff. That is true. Yeah, no, I mean, we've, I don't think any of us have come out of here, you know, shining after this. But um, I'm at the WNRJR. We're also on Facebook, uh, WNR Podcast and Instagram. across all the Google platforms, send us an email, the WNR Podcast at gmail.com. Our follower of the week, the WNR follower, is Rockstar L. We're also on YouTube where you can uh, listen to the podcast at the same time as they go up in other places like SoundCloud, on your phone, also Stitcher and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate and review there. So that is it. Uh, but that's not the end collaboration, is it? It certainly is not. <laughs> so we talked about uh, how our last series was Hell in a Cell and what's going to happen in the coming weeks, so we've timed this particularly badly, is there's going to be a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view coming to WWE. Uh, so what we're going to do is a nice review show to sh- uh, basically go through the results, our thoughts and our highlights from the upcoming Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Uh, so look forward to that one. I'm actually really excited for the way that they're building the Hell in a Cell matches for, the, for this year's Hell in a Cell. Unlike, I mentioned it um, in the epi- when we were recording the episode, but Previously, they have basically just thrown people together because it's Hell in a Cell, whereas they're actually building feuds towards Hell in a Cell matches this year. So I think it's going to be a really good show. Yeah, I cannot wait to do <laughs> really, it, you guys. Really, good show. Yeah, like I said, it's been, uh, it's been really fun today. You guys got great sense of humour as well. And, of course, with the Hell in a Cell, we'll bring 
predictions and we'll bring the polls up as well across social media. You can check all them out. And like I said, the review will be uh, just after this one. Uh, so that is it. I hope you guys have enjoyed yourself. Yeah, had a lovely time. Thank you very much for having us. It's been great. Thank you very much. No problems, guys. Well, uh, just like to thank you for joining me and thank everybody else for listening. Cheers, everybody, and bye. Thank you.